This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It's time for Right Spot with Dunedin UNESCO's City of Literature. Yes, this time every fortnight we take an opportunity to reflect on Aotearoa Dunedin's status as a UNESCO City of Literature and talk with all sorts of wonderful creative people. And today I'm very excited. We're going to be speaking with treasured writer Fiona Farrell, who has her first work of fiction for six years um, uh, out and to be celebrated at a launch at the UBS here in uh, Aotearoa Dunedin on the 4th of May. The new novel is called The Deck, and Fiona Farrell joins us on the line now. Fiona Morena, good to have you with us. Very much, Lovely to be here. Now, um, there's an interesting kind of background to this new piece. It is inspired by Boccaccio's The Decameron, written way back in the 14th century. And uh, and I think maybe we could start with a little bit of an exploration of that, um, Possibly not of all our, all of our readers and listeners will have heard of, of, of that particular work, but why is it an inspirational work for you? Right. Well, it, it, it's still in print. That's one of the interesting things about it. Um, I was wanting to write about um, writing about fiction in a time of chaos and pandemic and um, general lapse and uh, and. Boccaccio, who was a Florentine scholar, did exactly that. Um, when he wrote, it was in, after the huge outbreak of bubonic plague in Florence in 1348, 1349, one that went on and killed millions across the world. Um, but not down here, interestingly, in the Pacific. It never got this far. But um, a, a terrible without any of the restraints that we now have available to us, the wonderful science and the 1pm briefing and the contact tracing, none of that. This was just a virus, uh, a bacteria actually, um, doing its thing and killing relentlessly within about two or three days. And uh, Boccaccio was a scholar and he decided, for reasons that aren't very clear, that he abandoned being a scholar writing in Latin and he wrote a book instead in Italian in, in Tuscan in his own dialect and it's a collection of a hundred stories told by a group of ten people who escaped Florence in the summer of the plague 1348-49 and go to a villa out in the country that one of them owns um, and they're all young and beautiful and they're wealthy and there are seven women and three men and they potter about in this beautiful villa uh, dancing and playing music and singing and in the afternoons when it's very hot they lie under the trees and they tell stories and each day one of them is selected to be king or queen for the day and they nominate a theme for that day, and everybody has to tell a story to that theme. So over the 10 days, there are 100 stories. Um, he published it in 1351, and it's, it's still available in print. It's a, a magnificent, huge work, uh, the first great Italian work to be written in and, Italian. And, and so in the, in the deck, Fiona, we have a group of friends uh, again, each telling each other's stories during 
a plague of sorts, uh, and they come together at, at a villa uh, to spend some time. Um, now, clearly, one might make direct correlations between um, the uh, what we were doing and what some people were doing during lockdowns and uh, COVID-19 uh, restriction times. Is that connection deliberate? Yes. What I borrowed from Boccaccio, it's not a hundred stories, I should say that straight off. What I borrowed from Boccaccio is the general structure that he used. He wrote a non-fiction prologue to the whole work. It's quite short, but it's absolutely searing, and it's about the plague itself. Um, and it, the Italians call it the frame, La Conice, and it's the piece that surrounds this fictional core. Um, I borrowed that basic structure of a prologue, a frame, and then a central core of stories, and I just um, pinched one of his themes, one of the Cartier's themes, of the ten themes. I chose the one which is about individuals who undergo misadventures and then, as you put it, experience unexpected felicity. So it's the stories that end happily. So in my book, um, the people who are at a, a crib out in the out in the bay, it's not particularly specified where, and it's not really specified when, because it's not COVID nineteen. It's not anchored to what we've actually gone through. It's a little bit in the future, and it's a much more serious um, um, plague. It's a hemorrhagic version. Uh, variant and it um, and it's just making its presence felt in the country. So it's not it's not COVID, but these people have also gone to the crib to um, be together, celebrate a birthday, get away from all the gloom and doom, and they tell stories. And another mm. one of the differences is the age range of those who are telling the stories. They are older people in the main. Um, why that choice? Well, um, well, partly because I'm older and I can write about it. <laughs> I do know how it feels. Um, I, in Boccaccio, all the characters are, are young. They're not described very specifically. It's not like Chaucer. It's not like the Canterbury Tales where you have all the, the physical detail of the characters and they're very vivid. Um, Boccaccio doesn't do that. He leaves the stories to tell themselves and the characters are quite... Um, just gorgeous. They're just lovely people, but they're not described. Um, why did I choose older characters? I wanted to write about um, about the country, about New Zealand, and the era since the Second World War. And so, a lot of the stories are reflective of how we've lived in this place in New Zealand. Um, since about uh, since the end of the Second World War, and I didn't. I wanted characters who had been knocked about a bit by life because you don't get to seventy without a few things, a few dents and scars. And so I wanted to write about people who've had life experiences of various kinds. And so a lot of the stories are about that. So it's a kind of social history in a way, um, put into a fictional form. 
did you find during the the periods of of lockdown and and beyond as we've continued to kind of learn lessons about this current um, p- potentially less serious <clears throat> plague um, did you find that this there was something in the back of your head saying okay this is significant I need to be thinking about how I'm going to reflect this period in our history in in my own way or was the inspiration more directly from Boccaccio's work and could have been written at any time? Well, no. I wanted to write about now. I think we're living in the most extraordinary era. It really is. And there are quite grim um, outcomes of the way we've lived, which are becoming very pressing. Extinctions, climate change. I mean, the World Wildlife Fund estimates that the species becoming extinct every hour. Um, All the signs are pointing into a period of great chaos and upheaval. So I think one of the things that fiction can do, it can tell you how an era feels. And that's why I love it so much. That's why I've always read it. When you want to find out how it felt, be um, alive during the Napoleonic era in Britain, for example, you go to Jane Austen. Um, You can go and read up facts and figures and histories, but if you want to know how it felt, you go to fiction. That gives you that inside feeling. And so, yes, I did want to write about how it felt to be here right now and how um, it feels to go through this huge global pandemic, we got away so very easily. It's easy to forget that without the restrictions that we had, health experts tell us we could have had 35,000 deaths. Now, that's more than died in the First World War, which we've just been commemorating. It would have had an enormous impact on on us. The country would have been filled with grieving people. And I have plenty of friends overseas who had the most terrible time um, over the last couple of years. Um, A friend in Italy who saw um, refrigerator trucks pulled up outside the hospitals to load the bodies um, and who was locked down for much longer than we were. Um, A friend in New York whose father died and they were unable to be with him and her mother also was confined to her flat, her apartment, and they couldn't reach her either. Uh, People suffered terribly, and we were preserved from it, and I think it's made us almost cocky about it and dismissive of what an enormous impact Lucinda Ardern's strategic planning and her government's strategic planning had in averting a massive disaster. We've, avert, we've, we've avoided something. Um, and that's the only reason the book's here, really. It's because I was able to sit up in my room up here on your place and um, peacefully write without friends or family dying. And I know a lot of people have suffered in the country, but the massive death toll has been averted. Fiona, I suppose faced with 
our mortality, it is a natural part of the process to do uh, uh, go through a period of reflection and to reflect on life and to remember stories. Um, it's a helpful ignition point, I suppose, for each of your characters in the deck to be faced with uh, something so very serious so that they can perhaps um, pay some attention to who they have become. Yes, I think that's true. Um, it's what Sam Neill said, isn't it, when he wrote this memoir, this wonderful memoir that he's just covered. Um, it does sharpen the attention, yes. But I think it's also that people in their 70s are enormously interesting. Um, uh, they have such complicated, unexpected, surprising lives to recall. Uh, it's not all gloom. It's actually very rich time in one's life, I think, I find, that there's so much that is just sitting there, the axis. We, we, we have such interesting lives. I mean, people of my generation have lived through the most extraordinary era. When I look at film now, um, from the period of my infancy in, 19, in the 19, late 1940s, it's ancient history. It's, it's got this extraordinary feeling. I look at photographs of, you know, those old school photos, little rows of faces, and the clothes we're wearing. They're, they belong to some distant past. Um, and the way we behaved and the values we had, everything's been so extraordinarily changed. It's been really interesting. So I find people in their 70s really fascinating. I like my cohort. <laughs> you mentioned, Fiona, that um, that these stories resolve in, would you say, positive ways? Uh, is yeah, what What is your intention with that? What are you wanting to leave the reader with uh, in terms of um, lessons learned, if any? Well, I don't think that happy endings, a happy ending at the moment is a very easy thing to write. Um, I think that when you have a situation where I don't know, the number of elephants is down to 415,000 million only 100 years or so ago. Um, you can't really write a happy ending. You can't believe in a happy ending. Um, I think what we're facing are choices. And one of the things that the lockdown experience taught us was that we did have a choice, environmentally at least. Um, I'm always startled at how much people say they liked the lockdown. And it has a lot of positive aspects that that, that quiet, the fact that the Himalayas suddenly emerged from the clouds and could be seen from miles away, the birds. There was a kind of glimpse of how things could be, but we would have to really be very smart. We had to use, we have to use the skills that we have and the technology that we have and the knowledge that we have to uh, make some changes 
make really profound changes in the way we operate. Um, we have to stop politicising of the Three Waters program, for example. The rivers are vital to us, and that has to be the priority. Try and get them right. Stop arguing about it, about the irrelevancies, depoliticise it and get on with it and do it. So we bog down, I think, in triviality constantly and we need to start taking risk and the future that we're going to be bequeathing to our children and grandchildren really seriously. So a happy ending, yes, maybe. I What I managed in the book was an equivocal ending. It's left ambiguous. Mm. When speaking with Fiona Farrell, Fiona, the line just a little bit crusty there, but I think we picked up most of what you were saying and the tenor of it, certainly. Um, yeah. Congratulations on uh, on the deck, uh, this new work which will be celebrated with a launch at UBS Otago on uh, Thursday the 4th of May, 5.30pm. Uh, Fiona Farrell, thank you so much for taking some time to join us here on ORFM. Not at all, Jesus. It's been a pleasure. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.